Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Eirick, founder and executive director of Earth Fire Institute Wildlife Sanctuary, where we explore new paradigms of how humans and nature can interrelate in a way that leads to a rich tapestry of life for all of us. Um, this is the first of a series of conversations I want to have with people who think deeply about the environment. They don't have to be experts. They have to be people who think deeply and care deeply. And my guest today is John Schwartz, who does just that. John Schwartz is executive director of the Center for Self-Leadership, a highly successful training organization for psychotherapists. You might want to ask, what does psychotherapy have to do with wildlife sanctuaries? In the end, it's human psychology that is going to make a large difference in how we behave towards the environment. And there's actually a very deep connection between the two. But I'm going to leave that up to John to begin to explore. So welcome. Thank you. And I would like to hear some of your thoughts about why you're, what you'd like to say, why you're interested in talking with me today, why you're interested in talking with an organization like Earthfire. Sure. Um, well, um, I think I'm one of those people who, um, who has heard plenty of news, has been a consumer of information about where this world is headed in terms of our ecology, in terms of uh, wildlife. And I've, uh, in the process of being a consumer of all that information, um, it got me thinking about uh, about what we're doing. And it got me to thinking, I'm also, I also am a history buff. So in combining this uh, this current information that we have, and the direction that we appear to be going, which isn't especially positive for the health of the planet, um, uh, combined with my affinity for history, I started to think about uh, what will people who are alive 100 years from now say about who we are and what we've done now. With the information that we have, um, what choices did we make on the future of our planet. And assuming that there will be people to ask that question a hundred years from now, um, it doesn't feel really encouraging to me as I look at the landscape of humanity and what our response has been to this point and the, the failure to put these issues on the very highest of our, uh, of our universal human priority list. Um, and I thought about myself in that vein, and do I want to be one of the people that I'm, in a future sense, being critical of, who aren't really doing much to answer the call? And this is a thought that has gnawed at me for some time. And uh, um, so, yeah, I guess I've, I uh, just looked at that and said, do I want to be somebody who ha uses the information and looks into... Um, exploring ways that I can have some impact uh, beyond my day job and beyond my daily life. So why are you interested in something like a wildlife sanctuary? Well, I guess for one, I, I, uh, I'm 
like many people, I'm fascinated by wildlife and uh, I'm fascinated by animals. Um, and as I think about animals, I'm drawn to and appreciative of the notion that uh, our best way forward is to think of wild animals as individual beings. And I'm very drawn towards people who err on the side of seeking to grant maximum respect and dignity to all beings. And again, as you've pointed out, that doesn't mean going out and petting grizzly bears. It doesn't mean having to be vegan or any of these things. But it does, uh, it does compel me personally to want to think about each individual animal um, as an individual and with certain dignity and rights. And if I can embrace them that way, it can only move me towards wanting to be part of an overall global solution. So, um, so as far as an animal sanctuary, uh, and Earth Fire Institute in particular, it's interesting to me, but what's more interesting to me about Earth Fire Institute is, um, is how that daily work of, of helping these animals, uh, is, is simply a, a, a microcosm of the larger task that Earth Fire Institute wants to be a part of, which is to take that work and have it be a part of and and help forge a way into how we do larger things in reversing the tide of, you know, the destruction of our planet and that kind of thing. So I would be less interested if your frame of reference was limited to taking care of the animals. I'm more interested because your frame of reference goes way beyond that. Do you have any thoughts about how you personally can begin to change or contribute that might stimulate thinking in other people to, to changing how we're operating on the planet? Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on that, and I don't know if any of them feel, any of those thoughts feel necessarily completed or ready to transfer into a plan of action. But uh, what comes to mind when you ask that question is... Um, is how do we how do we build a bridge between um, between the human heart and the track that we're going on with in terms of not just wild animals but you know every aspect of planetary health and in my experience the uh, data plus admonition on a human on human terms is not a very successful formula as you know um, I guess maybe a metaphor is that raising children is a lot more than uh, scolding and telling them what's right raising children is more a matter of love and nurture towards uh, mm. you know towards what how how children would grow and adapt allowing children to find their own way, allowing for their individuality. I mean, mm -hmm. all these things are very much um, similar in terms of how to bring people to the table. 
uh, along with the rest of the planet and along with uh, wild animals in particular to forge a new way forward. And if we're just giving information and then scolding, uh, there's a, that as any parent can, can, uh, attest to with interactions with their own children, there's a tendency for people to sort of get overwhelmed and turn away. So how to make that connection is just something that I, I want to contribute to and bring whatever best thinking and practice that I might have, uh, to bear on that. One of the things I want to do with Earthfire is start a conversation, not that there aren't other conversations going on, but to start a conversation between thinking people about what we can do, but not what we can do in terms of, okay, we can recycle, we can use less electricity, which all those steps are really important. But if we don't make a fundamental shift in how we think about life and and what's a resource and what's a sacred being, um, a sacred being in the sense of any life form should not be killed or used mindlessly, it, only with great care and respect. Um, if that's how we want to approach life, how do we communally begin to start a conversation that works in that direction? So that's what I'm interested in doing with the animals under my care, having given a strong impetus to that through some of the pretty incredible stories of reciprocity of their healing us, us healing them. Um, so I want to have that conversation. And it's just what you said, your plans are not quite ready yet. Mm -hmm. They're unformulated. Mm -hmm. But so is the whole process. Mm -hmm. As human beings, it's all unformulated. We're reaching forward to an unknown territory. We can't use our old ways anymore. Um, we need to develop new ways, ideally ones that combine our left brain and right brain, our heart and our mind, our artistic sensibilities and our strategic capabilities. We've not really fully integrated our capacities, and we've not really tapped into some of the mystery of the world and combined mystery and science also. They're all separate and fighting. How do we begin to do all that integration from my mind that has something to do with human psychology mm -hmm. um, and the different aspects of ourselves that aren't yet coordinated and functioning in a combination of a laser-like focus along with a soft breadth mm. Um, the thing that struck me most about what you said is you're a thinking person struggling trying to find your way with the rest of us and that's the kind of conversation I would like to open and keep exploring as much as possible mm. well yes I, you've, by characterizing me right now as a thinking struggling person struggling with all the thoughts that go with this uh topic that mm. goes beyond the scope of, uh, scope of imagining i do have some thoughts on where we might start the conversation as people um and that is in maybe again forgive me if this if i'm uh, asserting my affinity for history into this but i think it kind of starts with Congratulations, humanity. You have uh, 
figured out how to step out of the the life order in such a way that you've haven't had an impact uh you have kind of tipped the balance of the, the if for lack of a better term the quote normal course of life um and i don't say congratulations with with just contempt i mean there's this wonderment of what humanity has been able to do to explode on the scene as we have. But let's just start with acknowledging what that impact of, say, the last 10,000 years has been since we went from hunting and gathering to to um, farming to industrializing, etc. Let's just stop and not kid ourselves with a notion that it's not that big of an impact on this limited home that we have i think that's a nice place to start let's let's just call it what it is and realize that there's that there's a zillion ways that we can and are really mucking up the balance of things and so i don't say that thinking we got to go back to or, or thinking that uh there's any chance that that as humans we go back to hunting and gathering and you know, metaphorically stepping back into the Garden of Eden and everything will be beautiful. That's, that's, but I do think that it, you can't get too far if you just don't stop and go, okay, I admit it as I'm part of this 7 billion member family who's really turned the tides of how the earth functions in a very, very brief period of time. So I have to get after this now. I've got to I've got to go to work on this problem on these thousands of problems. And I think that uh there are many people even with the information that's available to them and many who have no such information but many who do who simply would prefer not to uh not to see it that way. So I do think there's a starting point for me uh where we go from here and how we imagine that world that doesn't go back to tribes of hunters and gatherers, but goes into some other way of being in this planet, obviously is the is the big question in all of this. So you're saying in a sense, as with um, any addict, <laughs> you have, to, you have admit, to admit there's a problem. You have to admit there's a problem. Yeah. And you have to admit that we are the source of the problem. Yep. And that the only solution to the problem is within ourselves. So there's an interesting parallel there. Yeah. As, as a whole species, we have to admit that. And part of what I, I admire your work, Susan, is that you are uh, at least intimating to all of us that as we look, as we scan the world for solutions, it, uh, it makes sense to take a moment to try to listen to what we're hearing from from wild animals and from information and energy that comes from outside of just the box of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a vast amount of information. And I don't know if it's the box of humanity, it's the box that we hold ourselves in or have evolved to stay in that we need to expand our own awareness, consciousness, tune in it's almost like we're stuck on a particular radio station and we haven't tuned to some of the other frequencies all around us Mm -hmm. and those frequencies have vast amount of information and information not necessarily in the sense of a book but information that's heart-based that's spirit-based that's 
actually profound ancient wisdom based. Mm-hmm. Um, a simple example would be do unto others as you would have them do unto you is a very profound understanding, and it's not an intellectual one ultimately, mm-hmm. if it really works well. Um, one of the things you said that I liked was that we need to um, imagine a new world. So once we've admitted what we've done and what we're doing and that it's our responsibility and that we need to find our own way out, how do we begin to imagine a new world? That's a very creative, exciting kind of thing. We can imagine a new story together mm-hmm. and a new beautiful story together. If you don't have a story to work towards, you just go off in a thousand different directions and end up with, as you said, thousands of different problems. If you have a coherent story of what we want to move towards, a vision that we want to move towards, things become coherent and it makes more sense about how we would treat water, how we would treat forests, how we would save space for animals, all of that. But we need to imagine it and then have it cohere into a story that most of us accept. I I personally think most of us do want a beautiful story to work towards. Um, So how do we... How do we go about doing that? You, among other things, as a a successful executive director, have some understanding of how to make things happen, Mm. how to conceive them and make them happen. Um, That, to me, is worthy of a whole bunch of discussions also. Thank you. Look forward to all of them. And the other aspect of it, you said thousands of problems. There are thousands of problems because we don't think in Uh, deeper, profound, simple ways, as in if we treated all life as sacred, meaning we're deeply worthy of respect, if we don't treat all life that way, then all of these, what we call problems, and our actual problems, come stem from that perception. Mm -hmm. It's us versus them, or we, and use others, or use other things, and things being living beings that we call things. Everything stems from that. Mm -hmm. So the thousand of problems can be sort of, in my perspective, pulled down into a basic one and, and sometimes those simple fundamental truths which aren't simple or fundamental at all to get, or simple to get to if we see things as us. Mm-hmm. A lot of those problems are going to start to disappear because we're going to start to treat things differently. We won't be damming the rivers and restoring the fish, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I do. I I agree with uh, what I think part of what you're getting at is that uh, that the thousands of problems can all be funneled into simple, um, not simple, that the thousands of problems can be uh, addressed as our hearts change, because then the flow of answers just come. Um, without looking at them as one problem at a time. I mean, you know, Bill Gates framed it as, what if they told you that in 10 years a meteor was going to explode the earth, what would you do? And I appreciate that that metaphor as it makes you stop and go, oh, that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that sends the message home. The clock is ticking and you better get your act together before the metaphor comes. But the, I think what's the limitation in that 
kind of uh, admonition, which is based out of fear and self-protection, um, I don't know that that gets at the root of of the whole thing. Mm. You know, as a uh, if we're just if we're scared into action, and we got to take specific steps to tackle these thousands of problems. I mean, so if we do a whole bunch of right things and we're able to steer that metaphorical meteor just slightly away from our planet, what does that do about the fact that there's all these people with fingers on the buttons of nuclear warheads and things like, you know, these are matters that aren't going to really change without a rather holistic change of, uh, of internal framework. And I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't think anybody does. I wouldn't trust somebody who told me that they did, but, um, um, I don't think it's enough to look at it as there's a catastrophe. Let's act to avert the catastrophe. I don't think that solves the long-term issues or those thousands of problems. You said a couple of things there that are really important. One is that doesn't change our internal framework, which goes back again to the essential role that psychology, human psychology plays Mm -hmm. and everything that's happening, mm -hmm. science is not going to solve all of our problems. Right. We're going to continue to create new ones unless we change that internal frame, and that's where psychology comes in, mm -hmm. or the human psychology. Um, apart from if we change our psychology, we're going to be a whole lot happier mm -hmm. if we start to see how connected we are and that there's companionship everywhere. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then you said, I don't remember the exact words you use. You use something about coming from the heart. Yeah. Um, heart based. Yeah, it's 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 you know it's hard to put that into words. I guess meaning that maybe to your point that um, that there's a that we learn how to uh, how to. Um, not put aside, not negate, not get rid of our, you know, the tools that we have around things like anger and competition. You know, the anger, anger is probably the greatest tool in getting good things done as well as bad things. So it's just, uh, I guess when I say the heart, it's kind of a nebulous way to say, how do we learn to have a, a holistic uh use of our tools and the energy that we put out that um, that all arrives at a you know at, a, at a, a a common framework that that works to put us back out of our box and into an open flow so that you know an, a borderless kind of flow with the world that we live in um, um, so I it's a tough one to to put into words but uh, it's a little bit of what I'm getting at and there's an aspect you were talking about about why f how fear doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So we stop something or another, but could you explore a little how fear doesn't work and how something else would work better? Hmm. I think fear by itself doesn't work. And I think that uh, as human beings, we've, we have uh, used that hammer of fear and inciting fear in one another uh, more and more and more as we go on as a species. It just, the sense I have about our journey 
is that uh, fear uh, is sort of a tried and true mechanism to to do all kinds of things. And so, uh, again, being a tool in our evolutionary toolkit, fear and any other emotion unto itself is not a bad thing at all. But um, but allowing any one tool in that toolkit to to dominate our view of things and our our uh, our view of of everyone else, it leads to these these things like isolation from. So we isolate ourselves from other people who aren't like us. We isolate ourselves from the rest of the world, and it's just this series of of hunkering down. Mm. Uh, as opposed to opening up. Mm. And you're suggesting that um, heart-based, which is more open, heart-based awareness is going to lead to different behaviors Mm -hmm. and discovering different solutions that Mm -hmm. we might never have thought of hunkered down afraid. We don't see options when we're afraid. Mm -hmm. My own strong preference and belief is that if we offer hope and beauty then suddenly things as you said start to open and flow and when things open and flow new perspectives come in and then we see solutions that we never saw before couldn't even imagine couldn't even know that we understand that we haven't imagined them meaning we're so when we're stuck we have no clue that there even are other solutions right you know i'm a fan of the word curiosity I've noticed lately that curiosity is getting used a lot, and I'm a little worried that it'll be watered down and become a buzz phrase. But curiosity to me means that you are open to to learning. You're open to perspectives. You're learn. You're open, and that curiosity not just among people, but around everything around you. Um, it suggests an openness, and it suggests a humility that has to come with that openness. That that it's uh, that you just strictly want to receive, and you know the scientists who tell us what's happening have to be curious about other perspectives. The the um, the naysayers who tell us what's not happening, if, if Lord knows, they've got to become curious about the information that they have. Um, I guess my point is that uh, you know. Our journey is uh, filled with instances of where certainty prevailing over curiosity uh, was a was a bad mix, and I think that's that's certainly the case here. Even among those who have uh, the greatest amounts of data, because all that data is still not giving us the the big ticket answers. Certainty closes us down. Yeah, once you know something. Then uh, you you've pretty much uh, put up a shingle and said, you know, we're closed for business. Yeah, part of this discussion, I think, is essential. I've talked about integration before: left brain, right brain, heart, mind, um, all all that. Mm-hmm. And another integration I think is necessary is to have discussions like these which are more philosophical. Mm -hmm. But to have that start to drip down into uh, more concrete discussions and then into actual solutions. 
So I think it's a critical to talk on a more spiritual level than on a, on a philosophical level and then start to make it on a concrete level and ideally to move back and forth seamlessly between those levels so that we understand the philosophy, the heart, where we want to go. And we also, when we're starting to have practical solutions, they come from that framework. Mm-hmm. And whenever we, but also to go down into the specific details and technology or how you, how you make these things happen and have that feedback up into the broader kind of thinking. So this discussion for me is a beginning of the philosophical one, but I also want very much to have discussions about, okay, so if this is how we want to go, if we want to be more heart-based, if we want to be more aware, if we want to make decisions like that, and we think that's going to work better, how do we help people become more heart-based? Um, how do we encourage that as a society? And then what does that mean for how we treat water, how we do our education, how we do our criminal justice system. So I don't think these discussions ever need to be empty or just endless discussions of of philosophy. I think ultimately they lead to practical solutions and practical solutions should lead back up into them. Mm. So I thank you for your time and I look forward to talking with you some more. Likewise, Susan. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.